Merry Christmas, you guys. So I told my team it was going to be about 15 minutes tonight in the message because my wife and I and our family are catching a red eye. We're going to go to Idaho tonight to spend time with my family back in the homeland. It'll be the first time in almost 12 years that myself and my two little brothers and uh, their families will all be together with mom on Christmas Day. And I'm sure that my mom right now is just ecstatic for us to get home. So what do you say we get into our message for tonight and we'll send us off to our Christmas evenings together? This is such an amazing season. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the gray in my beard or, or getting closer to 40, but Christmas comes faster every year. And every month of December, I find myself just wanting, wanting to sit and soak in this month longer. It's such an amazing season. It's such amazing theology. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much uh, for your grace. Thank you that you sent your son to become one with us. And so, Lord, we invite you here tonight to be the speaker and the teacher, to be the comforter and the king that you are of all of our hearts. Father, you want to be with us. And Jesus has made a way for us to be sons and daughters once again. And so we exalt you this night. We pray, Father, that you would speak and send us off into our Christmas season and our Christmas celebrations and our presents and our Christmas hams and the laughter and the eggnog and all the lights and the good things that come along in this season. Send us off with deep, deep, peaceful meditations in our hearts that might draw our families closer to you. Be glorified now, in Jesus' name, amen. I don't know if you have noticed, I'm sure those of you that are post 40, 45 have certainly noticed, we are in the middle of what some are calling a moral revolution. Sociologists in the future may look back on this time in history and say that it was a time of cultural upheaval, cultural transformation. And as an armchair sociologist, psychologist myself, I look back and I see the seedbeds of this being laid by the gray hairs in this room right now, the, the baby boomers who have passed the baton, you burned your bras and dropped LSD and did what you did, setting the, setting the pace for the Gen Xers and the Millennials to pick up and get on that train. And the tracks had been laid down that would really lead to, from our perspective biblically, the demise of what we have traditionally understood to be the family. And so as our culture celebrates the redefinition of the family unit and really redefines what a man is and what a woman is, some are celebrating the disappearance of traditional family. The only problem with this is those pesky sociologists and psychologists keep putting out empirical data that shows that what our culture is celebrating as good is actually not producing good. We don't have time tonight to get into it, but I could point you to innumerable studies that show in particular with the disappearance of the nuclear family and in particular the disappearance of a father figure 
the presence of an authoritative, courageous man of valor in the home. Well, I could show you multiple studies that are showing that this is not a good thing. It's not something to be celebrated. Many of these studies show that a father in his presence in a home with the children influences every facet of that little human being's life from education success to emotional stability to problem-solving capacity. I read one study this past week that said little girls that have a dad in the home are gonna do better at math. Now, of course, we live in a broken world. And for those in this room tonight that come from broken homes and don't have a father or don't have a mother, God knows that and he's with you. But there's something that God has instituted in creation and that being the presence of a father, the presence of a mother in the midst of a family that produces fullness of human flourishing. Christmas is about a moral revolution. Christmas is actually about a cultural upheaval that is immeasurable because it's eternal. Christmas is about the presence of our Father coming to restore right family relationship so that his sons and daughters can live fully human, live fully joyful, live to the fullest capacity for which God has created them. Now here at Taproot Church, if you haven't been with us through the Advent season, we've looked at some deep theology through this season. We've used a word that theologians use to describe the birth of God as a man, the incarnation. Think carne asada burrito. In flesh came God. And so we looked at how God emptied himself in Jesus. Then we took time the following Sunday and we looked at how God empathizes with us One of the most amazing facets of Christianity is that God actually understands your weakness, has lived in the midst of it, lived as you lived, so he gets it. Last week, last Sunday, we talked about the empowerment of Jesus through the Holy Spirit, and tonight we want to talk about his name, Emmanuel, God with us. The presence of God with us to bring us fullness, to bring us joy, to bring us peace, to bring to us what has been missing in our lives. So here's what we're going to look at tonight, and we'll wrap it up. We're going to look at the steadfastness of Emmanuel, his presence with us. We're going to look at the salvation of Emmanuel, God with us, and then we're going to close with the significance of Emmanuel. The steadfastness of Emmanuel, God's presence with us. We get that from the passage. What we need to see first here in Matthew chapter 1 is there's this big, long, boring genealogy in verse 1 going clear down to verse 17. Matthew is making a point here that this promised son, this baby to be named Emmanuel, translated God with us, has been part of God's plan all along. But what we can draw from that, the lesson we can learn from that, is that God has been faithful in history. God is being faithful right now, and God will be faithful all through the future because his plan is to be present with you. I know most of us kind of skip over the genealogies in the Bible when we're reading our Bibles, but if we read between the lines and we go back to what these names reference, this genealogy, beginning clear back with 
Jesus Christ, the son of Abraham, each name is associated with a mess, a total, chaotic, confused mess. <laughs> each of the names listed as they go back thousands and thousands of years traces a history of human chaos. But what you see as you go down through this list of names is that God is steadfastly present with his people regardless of how much they rebel, regardless of how much they ignore him, regardless of how much they decide to do what they want to do, regardless of how often they morally revolutionize his world, regardless of how many times they take it upon themselves to culturally transform by their own definitions what is good and right, regardless, God steadfastly stays with them. God's presence is always working in the midst of his people rebelling against him, deciding to do for themselves what they think is right. God's presence is always steadfast in the midst of all of the hurt because these names that we read through history have the same human experience that you and I have of loss and guilt and shame and fear and war and plague. All the problems that we endure, these people endured. But here on Christmas Eve, we learn the very deep and profound lesson that through history, through all of human experience, God's steadfast presence is in place because it's his plan. It's always been his plan. It is his plan right now, and he will fulfill this plan completely one day to have his people present with him. Think with me in this way. All the nations that have existed, all the cultures, all the languages, all the wars, all the plagues, all of the mistakes, all of the mishaps, all of the confusion, all of the lies, all of the truths, all of the discoveries, all of these things interwoven from the beginning of time into this one single moment where God has been unfolding his plan to be present with, with you, with you. Now, if you feel the weight of that, you know, I'm a twinkling of an eye in this thing called human life. Eighty years should God grant me strength. But he's interwoven the tapestry of all of history to bring you here tonight to say my steadfast purpose is to have my presence with you that you might be full and joy-filled, my child. But we learn also the steadfastness of God's presence, not only from the generations, but from Joseph's dream. You guys got to understand what a scandal Christmas was. <laughs> a woman, a Jewish woman, gets caught pregnant. She's engaged. And in ancient Jewish culture, that engagement was as if she was married to Joseph already. It had the same equivalent authority and bindings. And so Joseph comes to his virgin bride, his wife, and finds her pregnant in that culture, this was absolutely scandalous, shameful, so much so that their religious requirements were that she was to be taken before her father and stoned to death. Not Seattle stoned to death. <laughs> stoned to death. Sorry, just trying to lighten it up a little bit in here. Joseph, in the midst of not understanding what God is doing, in the midst of his confusion, in the midst of being hurt 
in the midst of feeling like he's been lied to, could have bailed out. He could have said, the whole plan is trashed. He could have said, like maybe some of you have said in the past, and that's why you're not walking with God right now. God isn't good. Look what's happened to me. Look what's been done to me. Look what's not been done for me. And in the midst of the confusion, in the midst of the shame, in the midst of the hurt, God in his steadfast plan shows up and says, Joseph, I'm going to be present with you in this. This is actually part of my plan. I know it hurts. I know you don't get it. I know that this feels shameful. I know that there's pain in this. I know that there's confusion in this. But Joseph, I'm with you. And he has this dream, this crazy dream where this angel shows up and lays out the plan for him. And Joseph, even at that moment, could have taken on our classic cynicism in our culture. Whatever, just some crazy dream I had. There's nothing really supernatural at work here. My life is nothing but suffering. My life is not worth it. But instead, Joseph responds to God's steadfast plan and his ways of communicating And he experiences God's steadfast presence in the midst of confusion and hurt. That's what Christmas is about tonight, you guys. Think with me about this tonight. As you go and you eat your hams, tomorrow as you open your presents, all of the interweaving of the tapestry of history and human experience so that tonight you could hear God says, I want to be steadfastly present with you. Then take your own personal life, all the confusion, all the hurt, everything that's ever been done to you, all of the shame, all of the guilt, all of the wrong choices, all of the right choices, all of the influences in your life. Take all of it and see God tonight coming to you in the midst of a sermon saying, I'm steadfastly present for you. I'm with you. I know these things. That's what Christmas is all about. That's what he's doing right now by his spirit. Now, number two, we got to talk, of course, about the salvation of Emmanuel. That's God with us. What we see Joseph is told in the midst of this plan unfolding, God's steadfast presence with him in the midst of his confusion is he says, look, you're going to name this kid Jesus, Yahshua, Joshua, and he's going to save his people from his sins. Salvation is an interesting thing. We will never experience Emmanuel, God's saving presence with us, unless we understand that we first need salvation. Now, I realize that many, and welcome to you, God bless you for even trudging out here with your families to come to church, that's glorious. But listen, I recognize that we, we struggle with understanding and even giving a, an intellectual nod to the archaic notion of sin. You know, we open our Bibles as Christians and, and, our, and it's, it's easy for our culture to say, why are you reading that old book and, and holding to these archaic notions? And it, what I want to say to you is tonight, you don't need to embrace a biblical definition of sin. What I want to say to you is you, you've probably experienced the ramifications of it. What sin is, sin is the dethroning of God. So sin is saying to the God who made you, I'm going to decide what's right and wrong. I'm going to decide for my life what I do, and you don't tell me what to do, okay? That's a basic definition of sin. And the reason that you don't need to embrace that biblical definition is because you experience the effects of it. What are those effects? 
I'll just ask you some frank, simple questions. And I'm no prophet, psychic mind reader. I'm just a human like you with the same experiences of sin. Have you ever been depressed, lost, confused, unsure, insecure, despondent, angry, lust-filled, pride-filled? Have you ever stolen, been stolen from? All of those things that we've all experienced in varying degrees across varying measures are the effect of sin. So whether you want to embrace a biblical definition of sin or you want to put some other stamp or some other title on it, we're all experiencing the effect of sin. And that sin, that sense of depression, that sense of loss of identity, that sense of who am I, why am I here, what am I doing, what is my purpose, that sense of I've been wronged, that sense of, oh my gosh, I've wronged somebody, that sense of guilt, that sense of shame, all of that comes from a separation from God. And so in essence, we are drowning in that because we all are born saying to God, no, I'm going to do it my way. No, I'm going to go my own direction. But God Point number one is steadfast in his plan. He wants his presence with you. So like any drowning individual, God comes and he says, I'm going to save you from this drowning. You can't swim yourself, so what I'll do is I'll come to you and I will save you from this drowning. You have to know your need. And from our text here, we see that when the life raft is thrown to us, it's thrown to a very specific people. Notice what the angel tells Joseph is, You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. This Christmas Eve, the first step we take to coming into the presence of God is to recognize that all of history has led to this moment. I'm not trying to overstate. I'm just giving you a good biblical perspective on how this works with God and us. The second step is saying, I'm drowning I'm drowning in I don't know who I am. I'm drowning in how I've been hurt. I'm drowning in how I've hurt others. I'm drowning in my fear. I'm drowning in my insecurity. I'm drowning in my shame and recognizing I have a need here because I'm separated from the God who made me. And then we hear these words, Jesus will save his people. The first step to salvation is saying, whose am I? We all belong to somebody and salvation we find in whoever we belong to. So you may belong to money tonight. Money is salvation to you, and you belong to it. Believe you me, if you think long enough about how much you think about money, how much you work for it, how much you agonize over it, how much you serve to get money, that means money owns you. For some of us, it's a relationship. If I had him, if I had her, if I had this, if I had that. For some of us, it's a position, it's a place in society. If I, if I only had this level of respect from my peers, All of those things are means of salvation. We are seeking peace and security and joy and meaning and identity. And so we give ourselves over to these false saviors. But on Christmas Eve, we hear a sermon. Jesus will save his people. Salvation means I now turn all of this over to Jesus. He owns me. He has authority over me. He supplies me with what I need. He takes care of me. He provides for me my meaning. 
Now, the second aspect of coming into the presence of God, Emmanuel, with us, is not only knowing your need, but it's knowing how that need is met with Jesus. And this is where salvation is not about becoming religious, but it's about a relationship with Jesus, a literal living being. He's alive right now, resurrected from the dead. And so to know Emmanuel, God's presence with us, is to know your need of him and then to know him relationally, not religiously. Let me just elaborate on that a bit and we'll move on to our third point and close our night. There's a difference between, and you may have never heard this, but I want you to hear it clearly tonight. There is a difference between Christianity and religion. No, Danny, I've read the bumper stickers, you know, the one with the cross and the moon and it says coexist. They're all the same thing. No, 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 no. There is a difference between Christianity and all religions, and it is this. Religion says, if you want to come into the presence of God, religion says, if you want to find meaning, religion says, if you want to have joy and security, you've got to work for it. You've got to perform for it. You've got to cross the T's and dot the I's. Religion says, here's the rules And you may gain acceptance into the presence of God if you keep these rules. All religions say that, whether it's Buddhism, whether it's Neo-Spiritism, whether it's secular materialism, like what a lot of us hold to or held to before becoming Christians. We meet the standards. We do the work. We perform so that we can come into the presence of our Savior and be right, be good, be satisfied, be peaceful. The difference between religion and Christianity is that Christianity, and Christmas Eve particularly, teaches this. That you could not cross all the T's and dot all the I's. That you couldn't perform. You can't keep the standards yourself to find security. And so what God did is he came to you, not to show you how to do it and then say, now follow Jesus. Look, I sent my son Jesus. He's a perfect man. He did everything right. He never made any mistakes. Now copycat him. No, 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 no. It's more than that. Christmas and Christianity is unique because God sent his son to do for you what you couldn't do, to live the life that we all should have lived but couldn't live because of our sin, because of our bent towards doing what we want to do. So he sent Jesus to live the life that we should have lived and to die the death that we're all going to die, to assure us that we can come into his presence. Let me put it this way. If you were going to meet with a mighty king, and he was all-powerful and rich and sovereign, you would have to meet certain standards to go into his presence, right? You would have to have certain etiquette, certain clothes. You'd have to have certain uh, attitudes. You'd have to present yourself in a certain way, and if in any one of those points as you were going into the presence of the king and you were being watched by all of these rule keepers, you messed up, your tie was a little bit off-center, or your etiquette with the doorman was a little bit off, you're out. That's religion. Here's Christianity. The king takes off his royal robes. The king goes looking for you, and you run from him. The king puts on your clothes, pauper's clothes, poor man's clothes. 
and the king comes into your home knocking on the door saying, I am steadfastly planning on being present with you and so I know you don't know how to keep the rules. In fact, I know you can't keep the rules. So I, the king, will come and be one with you and I assure you that anything that was punishable, I take on myself. Come into my kingdom. Come into my grace. Come into my riches. Come into my provision. Come into my satisfaction. Come into my salvation. And now we look at the king and we say, I'm not deserving. I ran from you. I told you no. And he says, I I knew you would. I knew you would do all of that. And so I was pinned on a cross for you. I died your death already. I've made the way to make you clean. And so now, rather than religiously, religiously saying, I've got to relate to God to be present with God, we now just grab God's hand in relationship with him. A hand that was pierced. A hand that bled. A hand that was a baby's hand that became a teenager hand that became a man's hand. The hand that created all the universe and flung the stars into the sky. We grab that hand now by faith and daily as children coming back into our Father's presence. A moral revolution happens in our hearts. A cultural transformation begins. The kingdom comes on earth as it is in heaven. And it's not about us keeping the rules. It's about us coming back to God saying, I'm in the presence of my Father now. I'm just going to walk with him by faith and relationship. And then there's a weird thing that happens. Coming into a gathering like this is no longer a religious experience where, you know, you got to check off the, got to check off the Christmas thing, check off the Easter thing, stay right with the big guy upstairs. That's religion. Gatherings like this become food for your soul where you say, this is where I'm going to go and walk in relationship with my God. We got to wrap this up. The third point, the significance of Emmanuel. The significance of Emmanuel, God with us. I want us all to consider this as we close our evening together and we're going to sing Silent Night and go about our days. But as best we can, if I could grab everybody's attention, listen intently to this. I think it's easy for us in the chaos of baking our cakes and preparing for family to come, in the seemingly ceaseless flood, the onslaught of marketers and commercialism and and what this culture throws at us, to lose a sense of the significance of what, what I'm talking about here tonight. If at any moment you're sitting in your seat and you say, this stuff is crazy. This guy is talking about God becoming a man like living the life that I should have lived, dying my death, that's nuts. You're, you're, you're sensing the significance of this. You're sensing it. You're getting, you're getting the whispers of the grandeur and the glory and the hugeness of, of Christmas. But listen, the significance results in something for us. Number one, Christmas means there's no neutrality for you. It's very popular in our culture to say Jesus was a great moral teacher. Jesus was a really good dude. Jesus was a historical savant of some sort, some genius that started some upheaval, but he got himself in trouble with the Romans and he's dead. Listen, if Christmas is true, then the God of the universe has come so that he can be with you, which means you don't get to default to, I haven't made a decision. 
if Christmas is true, if God became a man and his steadfast plan is to be present with you, his steadfast purposes are to save you from sin, we don't get to take some sort of neutral high ground and say, you know, Jesus is a great guy. We have to make a decision. We either have given ourselves over to him and are owned by him or we're not. If God became a man, we have to respond to that either by saying, no, I don't believe it. I'll give myself to something else. I'll give myself to my career. I'll give myself to my money. I'll give myself to my choice of whichever, whichever uh, a smorgasbord of gods we have to choose from in our current cultural setting. But we don't get to stand in the middle on some sort of neutral high ground saying, they're all one and the same, and, I, and here I am in this neutral place. If you say Jesus was God, but you're not giving your life to him, you're not neutral. You've made a decision. Now, the second facet of this, everybody, for us tonight is that if Jesus was God with us, that means there's no nominal responding to him. If we sit in this gathering tonight and we come to a place of saying, okay, I need to do some research, and then we come to a place and we, we say, there's no other way to explain the history of Jesus and the history of Christianity without saying that this man was God and he was raised from the dead, then there's no nominally responding to that. There's no way to, to have God with us and then say, I'll once in a while give God kind of a, a, a salute. Glad you're up there, big guy. No. If we come to meditate on and realize who God is and what he did for us at Christmas and on the cross, Everything gets reoriented. Everything. Our budgets, our calendars, our lives, our perspectives, our dreams. And that's a very scary thing when we come to realize that. And that's why God had to make himself accessible to us. He's not, he's not there waiting to just crush you because you haven't gotten it right. He's saying, I got it right for you. Now come and reorient your life around this plan that I have for you. I'm with you, my presence is with you, no matter what, no matter how confused you are. Now reorient your life around that. That's an old, that's a new way of saying an old Bible word, it's, it's repentance. Repentance, it means reorient your life around Jesus. Danny, what does that look like practically? Are you, are you gonna make me raise my hand or do some weird something at this? I might, I don't know, that might be kind of fun. <laughs> no, it's not about what you do. It's about your heart. You can leave this gathering space tonight completely morally revolutionized, completely culturally transformed, and not do a single thing. And the way that that happens is by surrender. You now, in this moment, simply surrender. Surrender is really the first step to reorientation, to repentance. It's just saying, okay, okay, I've got a lot to think about, I've got a lot to chew on, but I reorient everything now in surrender. And then finally, finally, the significance of Emmanuel, God being with us, is that there's no neutrality. You can't have just a nominal response to this. When you really think through, if what I'm saying is true, you can't just kind of twiddle your thumbs on this. It's got to be all or nothing. And that's why Jesus came. That's why he's waiting for you. But finally, the significance of Emmanuel, God with us, is everything you've been looking for is given to you in that moment. You guys listen to, listen to these little short human beings in this room. They could care less what I'm saying right now. Why? 
because they have been agonizing for like three months to open up gifts. Do you know how, how long they have waited and, and, and ached and tonight they're gonna be up all night long checking to see what's under the tree and they're gonna be up at, at least my kids, two o'clock in the morning and I'm gonna tell them to go back to bed and three o'clock in the morning and go back to bed and four. Why? Because everything they want is wrapped up in that gift. That's Christmas for you and I in Jesus. That's, that's what he's offering you. What you're seeking for is salvation. And the significance of Emmanuel, God with us, is that on the true Christmas tree, he paved the way for his presence to be brought back to you freely. Regardless of what you've done, are doing, or ever will do, he is present with you right now. And he is saying to you, everything you've ever ached for, longed for, waited up all night for, begged for, felt like you lost, felt like you couldn't have, all of it is wrapped up in this message of Christmas. All of it. And your, your step to taking it is surrender. Release and surrender. I want to pray for us tonight. And Will, if you guys would come on up. And, um, if somebody would grab the lights for us, we're going to try to dim down the lights and have a quiet moment of reflection here with all the, the babies singing out their hymns of laughter and what they do. You know, it's funny to me that, maybe not funny, but interesting to me that, that we go to, we're going to close our evening with, with Silent Night. And the way that we have so made Christmas this, uh, this very pretty and romantic thing if, if I could just set the scene for us before we sing this last song. Imagine just listening to all the babies, listening to the, the gooing and the, and the awing and the running around and the, the, just the exuberance of those little tiny human beings. Now, I want you to imagine in the quiet the cry of a baby. Seriously. This is what Silent Night was. We like to think of Silent Night and God coming to be with us as this very pristine, very perfectly laid out, beautiful thing. When God came to be with us, he was born in the midst of, of manure. He was wrapped in rags. He was probably cold. He was probably crying. I realize that I'm wrecking thousands of years of paintings of the nativity where baby Jesus is glowing with his little halo and a smile on his face. Christianity is earthen. It's real. Religion is removed and ridiculous and doesn't happen. Christianity was God coming as a baby and being cold and wrapped in rags and crying just like you did when you were born. The silent night was filled with the smells of a broken world. And that baby boy was there to heal it and to heal you. And thousands and thousands and thousands of years before time had even begun, God's steadfast plan to be present with you was already at work and in place. And from Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph to the great King David and his sons who would follow after him, 
to the prophets from Jeremiah and Isaiah and Malachi to John the Baptist, they all pointed to this, this baby who would give to you everything you've ever looked for, reorienting your life around him. As we sing Silent Night tonight, let God's presence just come upon you and be with you. Just surrender to that. Don't fight that anymore. That's your first step to a totally reoriented life, to, to, to the transformation, the cultural upheaval, the, the moral revolution that you've been longing for. Your first step is to sing and surrender. Would you all stand with me tonight to welcome his presence as we close our evening? Father, Thank you that you sent Jesus. Jesus, thank you that you came. And Holy Spirit, I invite you now to just open our hearts by faith. I know for myself, Lord, I'm such a cynic. And I have tried to dismantle Christianity. I've done my very, very best intellectually to get rid of the resurrection. There's just no plausible answer for how this exists, how this even came about other than you here existed as a real man. You said what you said. You lived the life that you lived and faithful witnesses recorded it and you were crucified viciously by this world and you went into a grave and you died and you resurrected and you are alive and you are present now and you are with us, Emmanuel. God with us. I pray that in this room, Lord, this Christmas season would move us to deeper reorientation of our lives around Jesus, where we've been seeking false salvation and giving our lives over, giving our lives over to things that brutally drive us, but don't gently and tenderly shepherd us like Jesus. Help us to surrender to that. Lord, I wanna pray for the broken families in this room. Some in this room feel so much condemnation and God, I pray that tonight they would sense their Father's love with them, the presence of God with them. Lord, I pray for those tonight who, who are irritated and frustrated by this whole thing. I pray that you would soften and speak to their hearts and minds. I pray for the Christians in this room, Lord, who, who have drifted and who have decided that Jesus and his reality can kind of be put as a parenthesis in their life. I pray that even tonight, Lord, you would speak to them and, and remind them that the nominal Christian life just isn't even an option. If God became a man, help us to respond to you in worship and in song. And most earnestly, Lord, tonight as I close us in prayer and lead us into song, I pray, I pray a Merry Christmas upon this family of mine here. For every soul that you've gathered here tonight, I pray laughter and joy through this Christmas season and into the new year. I pray a, a buoyancy into their homes and a fullness of life in their lives and a sense of purpose and meaning in everything they do. Lord, fill them with such sweetness as they look into each other's eyes through this Christmas season and recognize that you have blessed them with each other. Lord, thank you for tonight. We worship you in Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing.